0: You're listening to another episode of The Zag. Eric Jusob here, excited to be joined for the first time by someone from an Ohio chapter, a 2018 fellow from Columbus. Etana Jacoby is here. Excited to chat her up about the most important state in our union. Let's get to it. All right. I know you're not from Ohio. You live in Dayton. You've been there a little while. How did Ohio end up being so incredibly important to everything politically in America, based on your opinion?
1: That's a really difficult question. Um, I think a lot of folks are interested in Ohio because demographically it's pretty representative of the country. Um, A lot of the experiences that cities and rural communities are facing in Ohio are similar um, to ones in communities like it around the country, but also like folks in Ohio just like really love Ohio, which is interesting um, and really see themselves as like the heartland and... Love that the whole country focuses on them. I think one of the reasons why I live in Dayton is because um, of the issues that it experiences and how similar they are to big cities, but we can do something about them because the size here is you're able to wrap your hands
0: around the issues. Yeah, so how long have you been in Dayton officially?
1: Uh, my three year anniversary is coming up in six days. So I was moving here right around now uh, three years ago, driving from my mother's house in New Hampshire.
0: And then what's people's biggest misconceptions about Dayton? Or do they have any conception about Dayton?
1: I think a lot of folks have a lot of conceptions right now because Frontline (laughs) did a documentary on Dayton that dropped last week. Um, It's been a really interesting conversation in the community about the documentary. So it's called The Left Behind America. And a lot of folks in Dayton, I think, are really upset about it because they feel like it told one side of the story and didn't sufficiently talk about the good things that are happening in Dayton and the things that folks are really proud of. And I get that feeling. Um But I also think that it's called the left behind America for a reason. And when over a third of the community is living in poverty, those are stories that need to be told. And those are stories that are just starting to be told by ProPublica and Frontline. And we need to be paying attention to them because Dayton is not unique when we're looking at who has been left behind in economic development around the country and in small communities like Dayton.
0: So then what's the interplay like between Dayton, Columbus, Cleveland? How does all that play out?
1: Folks don't take us seriously, I think. Um, there's the big three C's, Columbus, Cleveland, and Cincinnati. And when we think about Ohio, we tend to focus our conversations and our political stops and our interests in those three areas. And I think that that leaves behind a lot of folks in Ohio. Like a lot of Ohioans live in those other places and their experiences are very different than Cleveland, Cincinnati, and Columbus.
0: And when people ask you what you do for a living in Dayton, what do you what do you tell them? What's the answer?
1: Um, I'm working with others to build a sustainable and just community food system in the Miami Valley that provides good food for all. Uh, professionally, I work for a nonprofit and manage an organization that focuses on food equity issues in Dayton. Um, And we're really trying to have this organization focus the conversation when we're talking about hunger and food insecurity and food access to be one about equity. Um, And then also making sure that we're looking at this from a systems lens. So not just ensuring everyone gets a meal today, but how do we create a food system in this area that provides good food for all and ensures that farmers make a living wage and that the soil that they're using um, is um, is healthy and that everyone has access to affordable, culturally appropriate and healthy food.
0: That sounds like a very hipster West coast leftist weird kind of thing. How did that end up happening in a place like Dayton?
1: Uh, I don't know why you think that that's just for hipsters.
0: <laughs> well, cause it's, you know, most of the conservatives in GOP are always talking about the crazy liberals with their crazy tofu and weird nonprofit ideas. I mean, obviously what you're doing is great. It's just interesting that it ended up in the middle of the country. How did that happen to come to be.
1: Dayton was ranked second in the nation for food hardship amongst families with children in 2016. Um, These issues are real here. And I think that that's part of the problem is we're often only looking at the coasts for these kinds of solutions and only expecting the coasts um, to care about food. But we're producing the majority of the food in the Midwest. Ohio has three robust growing seasons and an abundance of agricultural land, yet we're primarily producing soy and corn to be shipped to China. So if we want to ensure that everyone has healthy, affordable, culturally appropriate food, like we need to be doing something about that. I was just at a conference yesterday, the Ohio Food Policy Summit, um, and they were talking about how Local food is the sleeping giant of economic development, and the folks that were there were not hippies. Um, There were very few hipsters there. There were folks from the Fed and from USDA, and the gubernatorial candidates for Ohio were there as well. Um, This is a real issue. It's like a big economic issue, and... I don't know how we're supposed to expect communities to thrive if almost a third of families with children can't eat.
0: And so do you You run the nonprofit? You work for the nonprofit? What's your exact role?
1: I manage it. Um, my boss is a former ambassador. He was the ambassador to the UN for several years um, doing agriculture work and doing a lot of the hunger and water work that the UN did and overseeing that. And before that, he was the congressman for... Dayton. He was the longest serving congressman in the area. So I managed the organization for him and he lives in DC and comes in um, about once a month.
0: What's the hardest part about managing this particular nonprofit?
1: Uh, All the things. Um, It's a really new nonprofit. It only got started about
0: every single one of them
1: uh so it's just really difficult to to figure that out and also it wasn't a food equity oriented organization when i took it over last year it wasn't a food system oriented organization when i took it over last year so trying to figure that out trying to figure out how to build the team and build strong culture um we have a broken food system and getting folks to play together in that space is really difficult uh so figuring out how to identify gaps, ensure that we're working together as a team, not only the HHI team, but like the larger community and get folks bought into the idea that we need to look at food systems. This isn't just about pantry lines. This is really about how we produce and sell and transport and consume food.
0: Makes sense. Well, I'm glad you're working hard on behalf of that. I'm glad everyone's listening to this episode of The Zag. We'll be right back and ask a little bit more about what it's like to be a part of an inaugural class for an NLC chapter. Stay tuned. All right, so NLC Columbus, first class was 2018, correct? Yes. And how did you end up even in that inaugural cohort? Did you know about NLC in the planning year before it? Did they come find you once they were looking for fellows? How did it come to be?
1: Yeah, so it was a really random path. Um, I lived in New York City and in Boston and knew folks that were doing NLC at the time and was interested but never had the time or capacity to apply And then when I moved to Dayton a few years ago, um, a friend and colleague of mine, Reese Nieder was interested in starting an NLC in Columbus. I had met him through the Roosevelt Institute when I worked there in New York City, which is a progressive think tank. And he had invited me to a party at his house. Um, So I learned more about NLC in Columbus and I was excited. This was about two and a half years ago, two years ago. Um, And unfortunately, Reese got very sick and passed away. And, um, I was still interested in doing NLC and hadn't heard anything. And then a little bit later, I remember just Googling it again and saw that there was a Columbus chapter and reached out. So not only am I grateful to do it and to have had the opportunity to do it in Columbus, but it's deeply personal for me because one of my friends who passed, uh, helped start it.
0: And then what do you see as goals for year two for the chapter?
1: So year two, we're really focused on um, having a strong institute. I think one of the challenges when you're a new chapter is trying to do all the things all the time. So just building a really strong institute right now. Obviously, everyone is focused on recruitment because the deadline is only a few days away. I'm really excited for how the cohort um, is going to Go through the institute with a focus on equity throughout the entire experience and really building that into the curriculum in a stronger way. Um, so I think a lot of those conversations about building a stronger institute and then also figuring out, like, what are our goals as a chapter? Right now, we're the only chapter in Ohio. So as we build out other chapters, what does that look like and what are those relationships like? I think is going to be an interesting part of a conversation for the
0: board. And since we have, like less than six days till the NLC apps are due October 1st at noon Pacific time, uh, what's one last plug for anyone considering doing NLC? What was your main reason for why folks should do it?
1: I found my people when I did NLC. I have lived in a lot of places and I've done a lot of jobs and I've met a lot of folks. And it wasn't until I joined NLC, both in the Columbus chapter and when I went to the convention in Houston, that I felt like these are my people. And that's a really unique space to be in. So if you're looking for your people, uh, NLC might be it.
0: And thanks for listening to this episode of The Zag. Stay tuned for other episodes later this week. We'll catch you soon.